One ought every day at least to hear a little song, read a good poem, see a fine picture, and if it were possible, to speak a few reasonable words. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amadin. The quote that we picked for today is by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, and it's from the book Wilhelm Meister's Apprenticeship. And I wanted to kind of roundtable this with myself and Nisreen because it's about art, right? So it's about the concept of art, but in a very kind of simple way. And I don't mean that derogatorily. I just think simply taking in art on a regular basis is good for us. It's good for our energy and our mental health. And to be able to have these moments of appreciation, whether it's you're walking down the street and you find a mural or you see something in a windowsill uh, or you um, find a crowd gathering up around something in downtown Toronto and you're like what is that what is that what is that and it's this giant art installation that's popped up in the middle of the summer all of these ways of just kind of taking in art regularly he also said something about reasonable words but I don't know about that but just the the way that you can that a poem can make you feel, that a good line can make you feel, or a good piece of music in the middle of your day. Now, Niz, you're an artist, you're a DJ, and um, I wanted to ask about that aspect of it, first of all, the way that you connect with art in general. How does art make you feel? I feel like, as you said, the summertime, it's just a whole other spectrum of creativity with people and communities coming out and uh, there's a lot going on. I'm I'm DJing a lot more in the summertime. There's so many more parties and that's the best time. I love seeing other people's creative side. I don't know about you, but when I walk yes. through downtown, you see people singing, drumming, or there, there's uh, graffiti on the wall or whatever it may be. It's just so um, thrilling. Is that mm-hmm, is that the word mm-hmm. I would use? I love that you said that. You love cr- seeing other people's creative side because I also um, feel this rush when, you know, some of my friends, they outright say, like, I'm not an artist. I'm not artistic. That's just what they throw around. And I'm like, no, that's bad language. I really think that we all have artist in us and it doesn't mean that you go out and you're this amazing painter or that you can uh, drop a freestyle at a whim but it's really that you can appreciate art and I think that that brings out artistic sides of you right it empowers you in that creative sense to be able to appreciate even a, a good comedic line you know or something like that and um, I bond with people over art that way small and big right and then you mentioned the summertime which is so true I love art in the summer because everyone's experiencing it that's the only way that I can really um, talk about it we're all out we're all in somehow engaged whether you're just walking down the street or actually visiting uh, art festivals and there's music in the air through patios and restaurants just people are experiencing art but in the winter or in other ways, you sometimes have to experience art individually, and that's a deeper process, right? Like, do you, when do you most get with art by yourself on your own? I'm a night owl, and that's, I think that's my best time of work. And when I DJ or when I mix music, I think that's mainly my creative side of time, I guess. Um, 
so I, even when I'm alone, I feel like I'm more productive. I'm more creative. My thoughts get all over the place, and it's it's a nice feeling. Works for you. Yeah, yeah it works for me. I love uh, staying up. I don't do it often, but I love staying up late, especially if I've taken like a really long nap, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be up all night. And then you know, depending on the headspace, I can get really really creative. Sometimes that headspace is you know bad emotion right and and the art is your release but other times it's that you're getting in touch with yourself uh and that there is this ideal it's late it's quiet um it's i'm isolated and this is my artistic spot so anyways thank you for engaging in this with me um let's quickly run through the sila home page this is from the center for equitable library access and we go to celalibrary.ca for these three feature titles vera wong's unsolicited advice for murderers by jesse q sutanto this is mysteries it's still up there so check it out the climate book by greta thunberg and the white lady by jacqueline winspire and this is a historical fiction niz do we have time for book news yeah, I'll run it through quickly. So according to e-reader, Javier Calaya presented new reports about the Spanish audiobooks and ebooks in 2022 and how there's a rise, uh, a rising trend in Spanish audiobooks. So I want to, I was going to go through this and ask you if you would consider listening to audiobooks in other languages. Like for me, I'm fluent in Arabic, but I don't know if I would consider listening to Arabic audiobooks um ever i feel like it's just more complicated than that because there's so many dialects to understand it's a lot it's a lot to take in especially long stories so i was gonna ask you how would you do it i'm concerned that though tamil is my first language and i'm absolutely fluent in it and i love listening to stories just colloquially anecdotally casually um in tamil I'm nervous that if I were to pick up an audiobook, it would uh, I would very quickly realize that I'm not as well versed in the language as I think I am because there is very formal writing in the language and I don't know if I can follow an entire audiobook. So I think we have to start with a sample or something. Figure it out, you know. Stick around because this month we have Know Your Narrator with Sarah Hillis and we're jumping into Audiophile Magazine's 2023 pick for Golden Voices. You're listening to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amazon, and it's time for that section of the month, the episode where we, once a month, Feature a notable narrator in the world of audiobooks. And this is brought to us by Sarah Hillis. We shout out the voices behind our favorite listens and get to know the fascinating lives and backgrounds behind these people, of these individuals. So, today's feature narrator is the 2023, or one of, uh, Audiophile Magazine Golden Voice. Is it one of, Sarah, or Yeah, there are it? three that were named uh, okay. this year. So, Okay, who is it? Nicholas Bolton. Mm. who is uh, from England. Well, he's a British narrator. Um, mostly, he narrates a lot of classics for Naxos audio books. Uh, so lots of Dickens and, and Wilkie Collins and some some Gothic stuff like Matthew Lewis and, and things like that. But he does a lot of other things as well. I think I figured out that he's been narrating since about 2011. Uh, it was a bit hard to 
pin that down, but I, I think I managed to do that. It was a secret? <laughs> uh, not no, but they never mentioned the year until I read something uh, that, that did say his first book was uh, released in 2011. And it was just a producer at Recorded Books had given him a, a novel, kind of a, a naval naval novel okay. uh, taking place in the 1900, 1800s, but it's or actually the 1700s. He decided to narrate it. And then from then on, I guess he just, you know, liked the job and uh, and did it. So he's been okay. doing it for, I guess, what, 13 years now? Something Pretty like much, that. Yeah. yeah. You want to describe his voice to us before we get into anything else? Yeah, I guess I would say his voice, he's got a good baritone voice it's warm sounding you want to listen to him for a long long time he doesn't mm. he's not one of those narrators that you just kind of go like okay i'm done i have to stop for a minute you know you could just listen for hours and hours uh he he uses pauses and pacing really well to to yeah, kind of make his sentences work and you know make the book understandable to people um i find there's a bit of an intensity under his yes. under his voice too like a kind of kind of like a serious audio describer yeah kind of like that. i get that vibe yeah, so I really do enjoy his work. Um, I've enjoyed it on BBC Radio Four. Uh, he 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 done a lot of plays on that station, which I'll get to in a second. Mm -hmm. And uh, Michael and I liked him as an actor in an audio drama. He played uh, Sherlock Holmes in a thing called The Voice of Treason. Oh, uh, and uh, that was a really interesting drama that Audible did in 2021, I think. Actually, I could totally figure out roles that he would play you know what I mean like as a narrator he's narrating obviously <clears throat> telling the story but I could see the kinds of characters he'd be cast as based on his voice so that's great that you mentioned this yeah yeah um he he's he's really good at creating characters he says that his favorite one of his favorite characters is a guy called Uriah Heep who's in David Copperfield and he's this really smarmy like horrible guy but he's got this ingratiating way about him and mm -hmm. and and yeah nicholas bolton just he would totally nail that kind of um that kind of thing like he, yeah. he can do both at the same time <laughs> right right okay cool all right so tell us uh more about him background yeah so he was born in 1968 in gibraltar which is well at the time anyway for sure was a british uh colony off the coast of spain as it were mm -hmm. and i don't know if it still is or not but the point is he was born there he was in a, an army family from originally from Northern Ireland, and they moved around a lot, uh, of course, being an army family. And then he went to boarding school in Ireland and then in England and uh, really got the acting bug, he said, by the time he was about 11. And by the time he was 16, he got himself into the Guildhall School of Drama and studied there and won a really prestigious prize called the Carlton Hobbs um, Prize from BBC Radio, which allowed him to have a seven-month contract uh as a radio actor there in the repertory company mm, and he said out. this th this was amazing because um you did like a play a week almost you had to prepare them really fast and you and you went and recorded you know over three or four days kind of thing to get the play done and uh that's amazing to me if i don't know if he's done more since then but if it was only the seven month contract he did a lot of work because i've heard him in a lot of plays <laughs> crazy stuff so he's he's done uh of course he's done theater lots of theater he's done everything uh movies uh he was in Shakespeare in Love he played a guy called Henry Condell um and he was in uh, Game of Thrones he played the fighting pit announcer in season five the last episode oh of season five gosh uh, <laughs> that's a reason to rewatch this episode <laughs> yeah I, I, I don't know I haven't I, I haven't done that yet but uh, 
Yeah. Um, and did, didn't you hear the word fighting pit? <laughs> Let's rewatch. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, that's <laughs> or a good, watch for that's the first time. Mm-hmm. There was like dragons and stuff. It was great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's done a ton of different uh, different. He's done a lot of video game voices. Um, certainly, Dragon Age Two. He was Hawk in that one, which is one of the I think one of the main protagonists. I don't know much about Dragon Age, but. Uh, it's kind of an RPG type deal, so yeah, so, so sort of medieval kind of stuff, right? So, but th- this is a big deal, like that he's the voice of, or one of the big voices of this uh, video game series. Yeah, I think people are really like people really love love what he did, and and mm-hmm. he's I've seen a lot of stuff on the internet, like who's Nicholas Bolton, like and and it's it's a video game website that's asking who you know right. let's let's hear more about Nicholas Bolton. So oh, okay, yeah, he's a pretty, bit of a star in the video game world. I mean, clearly he's done a lot of voice work, but also it seems like he's intensely done specific voice work, um, like the theater and the well, video game is what I'm most hearing now. Yeah, I think that's mainly what he's doing. Um, if he's not narrating audiobooks and stuff like that, he seems to be doing doing a lot of video games right now, which a lot of actors are doing. To be fair, yeah, that's true. I it it's not often that we're finding a narrator who's only particularly doing audiobooks. Now, obviously, some of the people we've featured, you know, there are up to, like, hundreds of narrations, right? Which means that that's what they're doing more than anything else. Um, But then others who are just, like, dabbling in absolutely everything, as they should be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's one of these things where you go in a studio for a few days and you do your bit and then you leave. Like, yeah, so it's easy to, to kind of fit it in and do it and... Yeah. Do you think that it's very fitting the kinds of audiobooks he's done, like the classics you've mentioned uh, a bunch already? Oh yeah, I think he's he's great for, like he he's able to adapt himself to different kinds of things. He's done some nonfiction, some historical type, um, nonfiction, mm-hmm. uh, which I think he'd be great for because he's just got this great narration. He can just you know make it a story, even if it's a nonfiction book. He can make it sound like a you want to hear more kind of thing, right? Right. Um, but yeah, for the classics, he's absolutely perfect for them. He he's able to take these really long sentences. A lot of writers in the 1800s used really com- complicated sentences uh, yep. with a lot of like subordinate subordinate clauses and all this stuff, you know. And it's like <laughs> I'm reading a sentence in Dickens, and I'm like, where did this begin? You know, I'm reading it in Braille, and <laughs> Three I'm like, pages what, later. what was this sentence? You know, and the sentence is like. Like a paragraph might be three pages long. The sentence might be <laughs> half a page long. <laughs> but Nicholas is able to take those sentences and pause in the right places and make them sound like probably the way the author wanted them to sound, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah, it's because there are punctuation marks all the way through them. So you can yeah. use those. And uh, yeah, so he, he does a great job with that kind of thing. He says it's really challenging because you have to take a deep breath and sort of get yourself through the through the thing kind of thing because sometimes you can't breathe too too often with it within a single sentence and because it starts to become way too fragmented yeah feeling Mm -hmm. yeah so he does find that a bit of a challenge but it's a fun challenge he enjoys it i guess the challenge really i want to say problem is that books are not always meant to be read out loud like obviously we're we're praising and celebrating audiobooks, but when you get down to the nitty gritty of it, some writing is very difficult to read out loud and then to perform it well for others to hear you. So it's true when you're talking about classics and 
all the old writing and then you're thinking, oh my gosh, people listening to this in 2023, A, might not be able to deal with the writing itself and then B, you as the narrator have to say, how do I make this listenable? <laughs> yeah, I would actually say that most books um, of that time were, were meant more to be to be maybe read uh, aloud. Um, and but, but people, we've lost the art of doing it. Yeah, okay, that's fair too. So, and, yeah. he, and he's trying to get into into that uh, way of doing things, right? Because yeah. uh, it's just yeah. when I see writing like this, just you know, ongoing sentences as you described the, I I find that that's more challenging to make a performance. Yeah. Of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to really prepare yourself, and uh, and he says when he did the BBC plays, like that really stood him in good stead for when he started doing the narration because you had to prepare carefully and quickly. Um, to to perform your your part. I mean, you you were able to read it because it was radio, so you didn't have to do it. You didn't have to memorize everything. Yeah. But um, but you still had to prepare so that when you read it, it you didn't take seven hundred takes to do it right. And mm-hmm. so um, so it really did help him uh get some some chops for preparation. He 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 loves listening to people's voices just randomly on the street and stuff. <laughs> uh, to to you know he might find a character. He said in one of his interviews, he said. You know, I do. I do listen to conversations. You have been warned. You know, no, true. <laughs> if you see me around <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> the narrator's best friend eavesdropping. But uh, does he do a lot of character voices? He does. He he will create uh, voices for characters, uh, and he does in a really good way. In that, they're very distinct, but they're very uh, carefully done. So they're not over ridiculous. Unless like they theatrical? really have to be for some reason, yeah. Mm. If the if the character is a theatrical character, I mean, you want to make it fun and interesting. But like, yeah, his voices are 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 you know he uses accents to some degree. He uses mm-hmm. um, tone and and such. I, I mean, his women's voices are not all high and like this, you know. But they sound, you know, they're not the same as the men's voices. Right, like right. He's able to do it. It's just it's just careful. It's just okay. and it's really good. Like, I can appreciate that. Now he did talk about dickens have we talked about this already about narrating um dickens works um yeah i I can we can still do this yeah he really loves narrating nick dickens's works and wilkie collins because he says the the authors really bring out the character in the way they speak in the words they use in the in the descriptions that the narrator gives so that you don't have to do a lot of work if you're really looking at the text you can it just it just comes to you as an actor you can say okay this is the sort of character it's supposed to be Mm. Um, I don't have to go real hard on creating my own voice because you're telling me what the voice is supposed to sound like. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, well, that's cool. Like he really likes that. Yeah. I think that, um, for people who do a lot of different work and specifically voice work, I guess you have to be able to adapt, right? The circumstances change when you're doing, uh, the BBC radio dramas and radio plays versus a video game versus an audiobook it's not just that you're doing different work but the intention behind it is so different like are you reading something verbatim are you inserting yourself into this role versus something else where you're trying to take the words of um the author and that's the highlight that's what you're shining a light on i think that it can feel uh quite significantly different to do different things like this yeah i think he sort of he does sort of say that uh to some degree he, he feels that uh 
narration is a, is a very lonely art, but also rewarding and, and cool. And, and he loves it, but it is, is very isolating feeling. Mm. With video games, you have to, you have to act. Sometimes yes. you, you're acting to not nobody. You're acting. Oh, absolutely. You're just saying your part and then someone else is coming and putting their part in later. So that's kind of fun and challenging. That's the studio life, right? You're in front of a microphone or behind a microphone with the headset on. And you know, you may or may not have someone in a, a room next to you um, telling you what to do or feedbacking with you because, and, and that's a completely different performance. You're almost performing for yourself and then saying like, someone's going to hear this later. A whole yeah. bunch of you are going to hear this later. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of a bizarre way to do it. But um, for narration, he, he, he enjoys the intimacy of it. He, he, he really likes when people say, you know, you brought this to life for me in, in a good way. Like most of the narrators we've looked at, they all seem to say that. They, they're they happy when they make that connection hmm. with the reader or the listener. Does he have a favorite kind of book to read? Um, I don't know if he has a real favorite kind of book. I think he just likes books with really good story lines and really good characters and that kind of thing. Um, he's he's a fan favorite, though, in the, the historical romance genre. He's done a few of these romance-type books. Um and uh, so, like, the you know, the kind of book where it's, like, people in the 1400s, but, you know, they get together and, and mm. there's action and there's, you know, probably some, you know, fun stuff and, you know, that kind of stuff. It's it's historical romance. And uh, a couple authors have picked him to do their work, so they, they've heard him and other things, and they said, please, please do this one because I need, I need gravitas, but I also need, uh, you know, character, good character usage and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so. Do you as a preference enjoy listening to narrators who make um the reads more theatrical more out there uh it's just like a lot of personality in their reads or do you prefer someone like i think nicholas is a good example who just makes subtle changes here and there so you understand what's going on what's flowing but not necessarily saying okay this character has to be this way i think for me less is more in many ways um i like I like a narrator who can bring character to their story, obviously. Uh, but sometimes there are narrators who are always themselves and you know it. Mm. And Nicholas Bolton doesn't do that. He, he, he becomes the book when he reads it. So he isn't Nicholas Bolton reading a book. He's the book. He's the, he's the manifestation of the book for me. Right. So, so, I mean, I like Nicholas Bolton's voice. Like some actors I find who just get picked to do a narration sometimes, mm -hmm. they're so trying to be themselves you know you know it's that actor all the time and yep. it's kind of it kind of ruins it for me interesting i like that that he's the manifestation of the book that's a real interesting way to think about it yeah okay um how about preparing did he talk about that process yeah he he reads really carefully he when he's dealing with authors that are still around he he talks to them uh he collaborates with them mm -hmm. he he says he likes working on these romantic series because uh, in the beginning, the author is like, well, here's, this is the sort of character, or, you know, that this person is and that. And, and then, but as he goes on, the author and the author kind of develops trust that he's going to do a good job of their work. And he, and he's really grateful when that happens. Like he's really privileged to, to be able to be trusted by these, these authors who write these stories, you know. Mm -hmm. There is a, uh, he talked a little bit about the trust between the narrator and the author <laughs> and the relationships that people might be hesitant to build letting go maybe yeah yeah some of the like like it, it's it's usually not a, a um difficult thing for him but but sometimes you know yeah 
they they a lot of narrators have said this too it's you know i i am a professional i know what i'm doing uh you know please let me do what i need to do um and most of the authors have been good about that after a couple books anyway right like yeah so when is he reading your grocery list for you (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but man he totally could he could read you know one dozen eggs and uh, oh man like (laughs) go nicholas you know (laughs) yeah totally we've become super fans (laughs) just like read everything for us you know others look for um morgan freeman and all of this stuff but we're we're good with nicholas bolton (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay awesome so we're going to be continuing to profile golden voices by audio file magazine yeah next month will be marin ireland okay amazing sarah thank you yeah thanks a lot We were featuring on Know Your Narrator this month with Sarah Hillis, Nicholas Bolton, who is one of the 2023 Audiophile Magazine Golden Voices. We'll continue doing that over the summer. That's a nice series for this monthly episode. And that's it for us. I'm Ramia Amadhan with Nisreen Abdelmajin, our audio technical producer for AMI Audiobook Review. And until next week, and you have a brand new episode, happy audiobook listening. I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.